from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. Best clap ever. It is this indeed. is Michelle. <laughs> and this is Mark. <laughs> we did sync it perfectly that time. It that sounded was. like one hand clap. It did. It did. <laughs> Best one ever. Very thin. Not even exaggerating. <laughs> Not even exaggerating. So, uh, we just came out of a really great show prior to this one. As we always do. As we always do. Yes. It was very, very interesting to have a person live in the studio. <laughs> no wow. comments to that, that one. Was wow. Stunning. Okay. I was I was formulating my response <laughs> and you stopped talking. Actually, that is always it. So we um for our listeners, we may have mentioned this before. In the studio, in order to sort of um uh shall we say guarantee continuity, we have these little hand gestures that we make um towards each other. Some of them are really nice, most of them are really <laughs> nice, but not always. Don't parry. Perry's got gang signals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Throwing up a signal. So when we have so when we have someone in the studio who's, you know, not used to our 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 dynamic, shall we say, it always sort of distracts them or takes them takes them a little by surprise when we're like raising our hands and raising our fingers and pointing at each other. So flipping each other off. Yeah. Each other off. So that was a great show though. Um it was. I'm I, you know, we we uh we do a lot of uh brainstorming around the types of people that we have on our show and the types of people we invite. And some of our guests are very, uh, takes a long time to get in the queue and, and uh, to get them scheduled. So Jenna was on that. Definitely. She travels a lot yeah. and, and we're happy that she could find yeah. time for us. And I'm happy that she could fit inside our teeny tiny studio. And speaking of teeny tiny studios, we have our guest today is uh Famous for creating a teeny tiny studio. Well, what he okay. did was he created. <laughs> he took a four hundred. He took a four hundred square foot apartment in New York, and tur- and created one thousand square feet of living space and another four hundred square feet of uh, storage inside that four hundred square feet. That math doesn't work. Barry. I. You think it doesn't, I but don't. it does. <laughs> So, what about party space? Yeah. That's in there too. <laughs> it's really amazing what Graham Hill has done with this apartment. And so Graham Hill, for, for our audience, so for our audience, uh, we tend to cover tiny house uh, uh, celebrities and people who live in tiny houses. But from time to time, we also interview people who are kind of on the fringes of the tiny house movement and more in the sustainability, small living, simplicity uh, movement. And Graham Hill is uh, world famous for his p- contribution to that part of our audience. Graham Hill is a CEO uh, and founder of an organization called Life Edited. You may not know of that organization, which he founded, but I'm sure you're very familiar with treehugger.com, which uh, Graham founded in 2003. Uh, And he's also responsible for founding a number of other successful startups. And so this organization he's now running, Life Edited, is all about creating, um, Graham, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but excuse me, creating really fantastic spaces in a really tiny place, really tiny space, and, and finding ways to make those tiny spaces livable for people using technology and uh, advanced space usage materials. So, 
He's windsurfing. He's right. doing something he's, out there. He's, he's in Maui. He's windsurfing. We're connected via Wi-Fi. So, Graham, welcome to the show. Hey. Can you hear us, Graham? Hey, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everything has been great. And then you uh, just you uh, went out for some reason. That's I'm really weird. Yeah. We heard, we heard a lot of wind coming from your end of the, of the show. Oh, um, so hopefully that's back. Maybe uh, Did you open I have a window? great internet here. So it was, it was all good, and then you, you guys sort of muffled. It sounded more like a, almost like a microphone thing. But, Weird. Um, but, so <laughs> but we're all good now? Uh, I think we're all good. It seems, good. seems to be working. Fantastic. Um, um, yeah, I think that was actually a great description. You know, we, we, what we're good at is... is, is working with space and, and working with small spaces and that could be an apartment um, or a house uh, or a tiny house. And in fact, we're working with a company called Covo right now to design um, our first tiny house that'll be, that'll be uh, manufactured. And so, um, yeah, all, all of this stuff is um, stuff that we love to do. Actually, it was, it's interesting that you bring that up, uh, Graham, because maybe Four episode, per, four pre-recorded shows ago or so, we actually interviewed and had in the studio the uh, owner of Kovo Tiny Houses. Excellent. His name is escaping me right now. Trevor. Wasn't Trevor. It? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But he's very. He was very excited to be working with you. And why don't we start there, Graham, and tell us how, from your perspective, how you hooked up with Kovo and and what is it specifically you guys are going to be doing with this new tiny house design? Um. So memory, not my strong point. Um, so let's, I'll throw that out there to start. But um, I can't remember exactly how uh, we ended up talking to Kovo, but um, probably we've gotten some good media. So I think they just they just reached out to us. But in any case, um, yeah, we really like what they're doing. And they um, we talked, they wanted to do a life edited tiny house. And so we've been working with them for a number of months now and uh we're to the 3d model stage and i literally looked at it yesterday and it's uh it's looking pretty cool we're it, i mean there's there's nothing much more exciting than actually designing a tiny house they're just it's a it's a cool thing to do i could pr do them all day long um and so um yeah so they're they seem like a bunch of great guys and and we're excited because they're really focused on the manufacturing and the marketing and you know that part, and and we just love the the design part of it. So it's a so it's a nice, it's a really nice match. And uh, um, hopefully, I might even uh, depending on uh, it's a little the the regulations are a little gray in in old Hawaii, but um, there's even discussion of us maybe uh, putting one of these on my land. Wow, the mo nice. the model that we uh, that we designed. So so that's really exciting. Yeah, so great got great guys, and a really really super fun project. So for what it's worth, thank you uh, for your time and involvement in that project. I uh, We had a little local, kind of a small town event here. Kova brought their brought their tiny house over there to uh, to help, again, spread, <clears throat> to uh, help with the advocacy part of the, of the tiny house movement. So um, we don't cool. want to talk about tiny houses the whole time, but I did want to shout out and say, um, again, thank you for your contribution to their project because that then begats other projects and inspires other people and municipalities and and becomes an advocate just in its own existence so Excellent. so graham i do have a couple of questions about the tiny house so um but first for the listeners if you go to lifeedited.com 
Graham has this marvelous YouTube video of the apartment that uh, was designed according to his his desires, and it's really really stunning how they were able to create all the living space in 400 square feet. But back to the tiny house, Graham is so is the tiny house that you're working with Kovo? Is it going to be a traditional type? tiny house with a gabled roof and um, kind of like rustic settings, or is it going to be more like a modern house like your apartment? Uh, more modern. So we're, and so I'm, ex- I'm excited about that. I mean, listen, I love the, you know, more traditional as well, but, but we definitely have a leaning towards more modern. And so, yeah, so it'll be probably more flat roof and um, yeah, it's, it's turning out. It's pretty cool. I've got to say, I'm pretty excited about it. Are you going to have a big reveal or can we talk a little bit on it? on the show here today about it yeah we can talk about it absolutely okay. i don't i don't think uh i don't think they'd have any problem with that i'm not no we're not uh and maybe if we're lucky we they can we can even share some images i'm not sure awesome yeah we cool we've got a website all right so what's this what's the square footage uh whew, that is a great question <laughs> um i think it's probably like eight by 24 it's not oh, okay. the sort of r- roughly standard size so it's not uh what's that um I don't know, I guess in the 180, 200 square foot range, probably. Uh-huh. So Graham's the startup guy. He's not the detail that's, guy. Uh, that's, that's the what guys he, do the stuff. <laughs> well, that, that's what he has Ross guy. Porter for. Ross Porter is the guy yeah, that, exactly. that handles all this stuff. He's <laughs> the guy's the get shit done guy. Exactly. Is it going to have movable walls and, and modular? No. no, it will not. No, no, no movable walls. Um, yeah, I said, but we are we are integrating some uh, resource furniture, uh, a Murphy bed mm-hmm. inside it, which seems sort of obvious um, to us. Um, and we're we're looking at probably there's going to be a bit of a loft, um, so there'll be sort of a a, a a resource furniture fold fold down Murphy bed with a couch, a sort of couch um, bed. Kind of thing. So the so the when you uh, put up the bed, there's a couch there, and um, then we're we're you know those stairs that are sort of left right left right. Yeah. There's like one one stair is higher than the other, and then you can have some storage inside of them, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what we're we're using one of those to get up to the the loft, and it's uh, you know a cute little loft. But um, what's nice about it is where you uh, where you rest your head. Um, we're gonna have a we're hopefully going to have a big skylight right there, um, which opens as well. And so I think that'll be a really beautiful little uh, place to look at the stars and, and just sort of like open it's a, there's not a lot of headroom up there. I mean, very little. And so it really opens up the space. So that's quite fun. Also on the end of the, uh, that loft, uh, we put a little desk. And so basically you sort of can sit on the floor and dangle your legs off and then there's a desk. So it's called, I don't know why, but, uh, uh, Andre has been calling it a Japanese desk. Maybe that's down. something the Japanese do. Um, but yeah, and then uh, yeah, very simple little bathroom with a uh, shower, and um, I think we got a we got a washer dryer in there, wow. and there's a nice window that um, off of the kitchen, um, a big nice window, and it, it actually sort of it's an awning, so it opens up and can can sort of protect from rain and then we have a little table outside that'll seat easily sort of three people and so it's a nice setup where someone or one or two people could be in the kitchen cooking and then you could have you know three or four or more people just just outside um so it's like a sort of like a bar setup so you could be uh so it works works well that way and then the uh one of the ends where the where the couch 
and the um, the bed, the, the Murphy bed, are uh, we have slider, big sliders on both sides um, that really open up. And so uh, part of the plan is really to take advantage of, of outdoor living. And so, you know, in uh, ideally this would be placed in, in at least a place that's temperate for a bunch of the year. And so it really opens up and, and we're going to have some uh, retractable awnings, um, perhaps the ones with the wind sensors, um, so that you can really expand from the inside to the outside and, and move, move a bunch of furniture out there and, and really uh, expand. And we, and we think that's a really smart thing to do, period, whether it's in housing um, or, or, you know, normal houses or, or, or tiny houses is really take advantage of, of outdoors. If the, if, if the weather's good, then, uh, you know, why all you need is something to protect you from the sun and the rain and you've got great living. And so, uh, this one expands nicely that way. What, what do the wind sensors do? I mean, obviously they sense the wind, but for what? It pulls so, in. um, this may be, I'm just very Maui centric. I'm a big, big <laughs> kite surfer. And so often thinking about wind and Maui is just windy. And so if you have your typical awning, uh, retractable awning, like it can get really windy and, and basically that can destroy your awning. And so um, they have these uh, electric awnings that have wind sensors. And so if, it, if the wind gets up to a certain level, then they automatically retract. So, you know, you're, you're, you can basically leave your awnings open. And so you could have your full setup and, and be, you know, out of town and not worried that um, they're going to be destroyed. Huh, interesting. And then when this wind dies down, it extends back out. That's a great question, and I did, just just came to me as well. I'm not sure. Huh. <laughs> I'm not sure. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, really. That would be a good. That would be a good set of setting. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they work that way. So, so, um, Graham, we're going to leave tiny houses for a bit now. Sure. When, when you so hold when on. You, oh, you got another. Can question? I ask sure. his permission yeah. to use his hanging feet desk idea? <laughs> Am I, do I have to ask permission for that? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> okay. Just want to be official about it at all. Remember at the ja at the Jamboree, we saw, or at least I saw a tiny house that had, I remember that actually, one. I was with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. That had the dangling desk. The nope. Top. Never seen oh. one. Never heard of it. Okay. Well, yeah. It was pretty comfortable. It's very cool to mm -hmm. sit up there and look down into your space. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, I guess it's probably from like, they have those amazing, uh, in Japan, they'll, they'll have like a table. that's basically on the floor. And then, but with a, a hole sort of underneath it for you to put your legs. And then yeah. they put, they put a little stove yep. in, in there. And so you can sort of keep toasty and it's a, it's such a, I mean, it's a, they're, I think they look amazing and they're obviously like comfortable and cool. It's just, it's very, it's just smart Yeah, and, is. and, and very modern somehow also mm -hmm. like they're beautiful. So it's sort of probably, that's why they're calling it that. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. You know, in Japan, that table is called the warm your cockles. In, oh yeah, in Japanese. <laughs> really? I'm just kidding. <laughs> they probably don't know what cockles well, are. Well, my next <laughs> tiny house design has a cantilever, and so it's basically just a 24 inch deep loft. Oh, and so I've been challenged um, from a design perspective. What am I going to do with it? Obviously, I could do storage, mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of boring. And the light and the windows and everything up in that little cantilever are so beautiful. So this was. Very serendipitous. That's a perfect oh, application cool. yeah. <laughs> for that space is to climb up in the loft and drop your legs down and yeah. So Oh, that's grand sounds great. Probably a good little nap look nap location as well, I mean. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, so we we're moving away from tiny houses for just a little bit. So Graham, um so for someone who who hasn't followed your trajectory, 
How mm-hmm. how did you get from? <clears throat> we were laughing. We were laughing at the ceramic uh, cup manufacturing company that you did a while back. <laughs> but how did you how did you start in your startup world and end up doing what you're doing now? Uh, so I mean, by background, I um, you know I I grew up as a hippie like hippie parents kind of thing and up in Canada near Montreal. Um, I ended up studying architecture full, full five year, uh, design in Ottawa, Carleton. And then, uh, so I studied product design for a couple of years thereafter. So I did like seven years of design school. So lots of design. Um, during that period I did, I worked a bunch of construction. Um, and also just, I've always clearly been an entrepreneur. I started a clothing company out of like last year architecture school, which, which actually did all right. Um, but then, uh, really sort of fell in love with the internet at Emily Carr in Vancouver, where I was studying product design. And this was very early days. So there was like the, the graphical web kind of thing was a new concept. So like there was one, only one computer in the whole school where you could see images on the web. And, you know, besides that, the internet, you know, we were basically doing pine email, which is, you know, that, uh, war games sort of green text email, which was great. Um, but I just saw the graphical web and I was like, that's it. Like that, that's the future. And so I moved down to Seattle, um, where my cousin Tish Hill, uh, was living and, and we set about trying to build a company to build websites. And, uh, we, um, landed Microsoft as a client very early on and, uh, we did good work for them and, uh, ended up growing the company from the two of us to 60 people over three years and, and selling it. And so that was sort of, I you know, had 28, I had some success and I, I had some money and I, I did what, what our society tends to push you to do, which is spend it. <laughs> and, uh, All of it. And so I, I, you know, I bought a nice big house and a fast black sedan and, and I sort of lots of that. I, I did all that stuff and I just, uh, I don't know. I just didn't, it didn't, didn't feel, feel right on me. Um, and then I ended up moving to New York and I, in a way did, did similar. I, I, I wish I had bought, <laughs> I stupidly rented, but I had a big loft with lots of roommates and it just, it, it accumulated a ton of stuff. And I don't know, I just ended up living this sort of larger life that just felt, just didn't, didn't feel right for me. And, and then I was, we were building tree hugger and, and we just would talk a lot about small living and, and, and it just, uh, it just infected me, I guess. And, and, and so I ended up, uh, uh, largely, I guess, while we were building Triagra, I, I, I dated a wonderful woman named Olga Susplugas for about four years, and she's a Spanish uh, woman, actually, Andorran. And we ended up, uh, I started Triagra out of the back room of her tiny apartment in Barcelona, and then ended up sort of looping her into the business. And, and, and then we ended up just sort of traveling. We both were big travelers, and we realized that we could travel anywhere. And save a bunch of money, have great experiences and get a ton of work done. And so we lived in India and Barcelona and Bangkok and Buenos Aires and Toronto and New York and did a whole bunch of traveling in between. And, and really in the, in that process, uh, sort of we clued in that we only had like two bags, you know, you had one with your stuff and then a backpack kind of thing with, which was your office. And, and this was back when it was even harder. It's much even easier to do now. 
Um, and so, but we were very happy and, you know, our life was full of experience and still really productive and actually really cost effective. And so when we moved back to New York, it was sort of a no brainer. We, we moved into a 350 square foot place and, you know, it was one of the best places we ever lived. It was like, you know, we loved it. And so it was just uh, sort of that, that experience contrasted with the big pain in the ass house and then, you know, fueled by, you know, Lloyd Alter and on tree hugger and just talk, you know, all, all the gangs are talking about small living and small houses and, and all that, that really sent me in a certain direction. And so when I went to build my own first apartment, um, in New York, I just really got thinking about it. And so that's, uh, and so I ended up raising some money from a bunch of sponsors and running a design contest, um, based on this 420 square foot apartment that I had bought and I've uh, got 300 entries and they were like some, just some fantastic ideas. Um, and we got, uh, we, we asked them all to use resource furniture cause we just saw their stuff or like that is great stuff and, and we should use it. They ended up being a sponsor and, and a great partner still. Um, and so they got, yeah, 300 entries and, and uh, one of them was, uh, by a gang in Romania a couple, a couple guys, and Adrian and, and Cataline, and ended up hiring Cataline and, and later a friend of his, and, and they're still, uh, still with us to this day. And so, um, you know, we've been setting around, setting about, just trying to prove out that if you're smart about how you apply design, technology, and a little behavior change, that you can create smaller, smarter, really fulfilling lives that are happier. And so uh, we did that. That one apartment got a, 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 so much press; it was really ridiculous. I ended up giving a TED talk about it, and it's got over three million views. And and a New York Times op-ed, which was very very popular, one like fourth most read for the year, kind of thing. And and so it was clear to me that our society is is really yearning for for this. That understands that we've supersized ourselves and that it's not working for us, and is yearning for a simpler, smaller life. And so that's sort of what we've been doing. And so I did another apartment called Life Edited 2, LE2. That's also on the site. And that was on the cover of Dwell in, in November. And a bit of a different approach, uh, more patina and more sort of a little less white box. And that's what I'm living in now. And it's it's fantastic. And then uh, I'm uh, finishing up a thousand square foot off-grid home in, in Maui, which is going to be a four bedroom and um, works works really well and is if we've got these amazing blue iron uh battery system that's super techy and looks beautiful and works well and then sun flare is is providing us with uh thin film solar panels so it's like totally off grid i'm electrifying the 73 volkswagen thing um <laughs> we have these uh separate that's um, not hippie at all. A <laughs> Swedish company makes these incredible uh, uh, composting toilets. And so we're doing a really neat thing here. So yeah, so that's sort of uh, where we're at. We're trying to make uh, small living big. So the, the, that's a great, great background. Thank you. So the, the life edited itself, it, it, you mentioned on the website that it's not an architectural firm, but a lot of the people, you don't have a big staff listed on the site, but the, all of those people have architecture backgrounds what is the niche that you play that allows you to make the things that you make since you're not an architecture firm and I don't think you're a construction firm? So we'll, I mean, we'll, it's, it's a little varied and it's a good question. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's 
very relevant um, to what sort of where where we're at. So we've done sort of a bunch of more personal projects. I call like my runway projects, and and we do stuff that's cool enough that we get a ton of press, and and so sponsors are game to to give us some stuff. Which you know, if it's the right stuff, I want to support and tell the world about anyway. And so we're able to. I mean, the reality of it is doing sort of cutting edge stuff just costs. It's just you you go over budget, and you know. It, it takes longer and there are a whole bunch of screw ups. And so it really costs. So <laughs> it's almost like the sponsorship just helps take the, take the edge off, off of it somehow. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know um, anything you know, about that. <laughs> I'm doing these insane projects, which if I really looked at the hours that I put into them and my team, et cetera, there's no way that they make any sense, but, but that's sort of, you know, that's part of the mission and, and that's sort of what we're doing and I can't really help myself. So <laughs> so we do a bunch of these like runway projects and then um, the idea is that we want to do real estate development. And so um, the the other tack that we've been doing is working with uh, Jason Holiday and Leah Solomon, um, two very close friends who live in Brooklyn, and they've been buying, renovating and selling places out there for, you know, coming probably probably close to 20 years now. And so we've done some work with them where we'll, we'll basically raise the, raise the money and do all the legal and accounting and investor relations. And, and these are less life edited. They are small. They are super energy efficient, just smart, but they're more basic houses, one to three units. And we've done, you know, eight of them so far and have made some great money for investors. And, and so, and we're really, so we're trying to bring those two together uh, and ultimately end up with a life edited apartment building that is developed by us. Um, I love architecture, but it's just, it's not a great, it's just not a great profession. It's just a very, it's a very <laughs> tough go and it's just not, yeah. it's just not my thing. So, so we have a couple, you know, three of us really architect uh, types on staff. Um, but our objective is really to be, you know, real estate developers, uh, or perhaps do some product development, as in furniture and that kind of kind of stuff that, that suits this. So that's sort of where we're headed. In the interim, we will do architectural work um, if it's the right client and the right money and and feel feels right to us, and we're going to learn something. And so, like we did, um, Elliot Bisnow's house for uh, Summit uh, on Powder Mountain in Utah. And that's actually moving in, move in in uh, 30 days or something. And pretty cool. Um, we've done a whole bunch of like, we'll work with developers to, to design their small apartments. And so we may not design the whole building or every apartment in the building, but we'll do the small ones. And so right now we have a contract to do one in Korea for like a 200 apartment building. And I can't remember how many we're going to do, but quite a few. So we'll, we'll, if it's a cool project, we'll do that. Um, but the long-term vision for us is really to develop our own thing. I'm an, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I like replicability and, and, you know, I like risk, you know, good risk reward. And, and I don't, uh, unfortunately architecture is just sort of a crappy business um, and not not one that I want to be in, but, um, you know, we'll do some of it if it's the right, right thing. So the, the, so how it's interesting, this runway, you must have like, well, obviously you have. I presume you have a lot of money, so your runway is fairly long. But how long have you been doing this, and and where do you are you making any money at this point? Um, this has not been <laughs> as successful as my other ventures yet. <laughs> you know, press and all that is amazing, um, but it doesn't pay, it doesn't really pay the bills. Right. So you know, I've definitely put some put some money into it, and, and sort of you know, I mean, I've a lot of there's been a lot of learning. 
Um, you know, I just can't count what salary I can't just can't count my hours because it just would be too too depressing. But <laughs> yeah, I've I've uh, I put some money in into it, and you know, we're if you don't count my salary, probably break even ish. But uh, yeah, we don't. You know, we have no home run yet. But um, what we have done is gain a ton of knowledge yeah. and experience, um, and so we really know our way around this stuff and. Yeah. And I think that'll that'll pay off as we start apply uh, applying it to larger projects where there is some replicability and um, and where you know the marketing component is important and it it should work out. But it's a you know it's a it's a definitely a tricky industry and you start to understand why developers do the same old thing again and again and again. It's because there's an unbelievable amount of details and and ways for things to go sideways and so that's that's why developers do a lot of boring stuff and don't really innovate much. And that's not for us. And that's, you know, that's hopefully is our, is our winning point at some point, but you know, also <laughs> could be what takes us down. Yeah. Um, but can't really help it. That's sort of how we're built. I hear you. Oppor <clears throat> opportunity is sort of a double-edged sword. Um, it's kind of a nice problem to have, I guess you call it. It sounds like the sky's the limit for you, for your organization, as far as, um, as far as client opportunities, sponsor opportunity, um, how do you use the the methods and the and the thought process associated with actually life editing or editing your own professional direction? Does that make sense? Like you have fifty thousand mm. projects you could do. How do you actually choose which of the ones that you're going to support or go after? <laughs> uh, do God, you i wish i knew the answer to that. good question uh, throw a bunch of cards yeah, in the air I'm probably, and <laughs> I'm probably pretty good at the life editing itself sort of on a physical on the physical plane um but yeah i could probably use some uh use some of my own uh, own advice uh, on myself and in, in in terms of that um certainly i mean we're i'm lucky that i work with ross porter who's previously mentioned because he is um you know i am certainly the generally the flaky creative um and he uh, he he grounds me um so that's you know so yeah that's a great question <laughs> <laughs> i don't have an answer, no. an answer this, I don't know. <laughs> well i i just come from my own experience even though i'm living in a small space myself i find that my life has um almost become on some levels way more complex because i have mm. more opportunities to pursue things that I couldn't pursue before. So um, they talk about simplifying yeah. life, but I'll tell you what, I'm not sitting on the porch doing yoga as much as I would like. So I'm wondering Wait if... stick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, well, I do uh, think there is there is tremendous value in, in learning how to say no, being good at saying no, um, and really, you know, working through FOMO and, and just, you know learning to say no because it it is like i certainly like the advice i would give to all my flaky creative friends it's, it's always the same right they're always just doing too many things you know and it's it's hard to do a lot of things and do them all well your, your focus is really important so i don't know we probably do a better job than i'm i'm uh, profiling us as doing but um yeah learning learning to say no there there's real value in no there's, a Derek, Sivers, there's no. a Derek Sivers quote. He founded CD Baby. And it's, uh, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a 
Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Derek's great. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, so what is what is your typical day look like? Uh, well, these days, you know, I'm 46, so full on old man mode. I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely, particularly in Maui, I wake up really early. Like it, it's which is the way to do it here it gets light five thirty ish kind of thing. And you sort of, in a way want to be up during it. It's just so beautiful here. That's when you want to be up. But, um, yeah, I do a lot, you know, unfortunately a lot of computer stuff. Luckily I I'm full on standing desk guy. So that makes it a little better, but so, you know, I'm emailing and Skyping and phone calls. And, um, and these days it's nice. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm building the house. And so I'm in, in Maui most of this year and I'm actually living right next door uh, renting a room at my cousin's place and so I get to go on site and you know do some physical stuff which is a, a, a great break um, but yeah that's the, the main focus is just getting this house built and having it come out really nicely and uh, we've gotten some really great sponsors and I'd want to I want to make sure that they're they're really happy and I want to make sure it's a really really great house with great detailing and, and that we've done a, a beautiful thing. Um, and let me tell you, it's been, uh, it's been a been a little nightmarish for sure. <laughs> with the amount of like, I, I think I'm a total perfectionist and it's just architecture is very tricky because there's so many things to be a perfectionist about. And, um, we're a little new, a little newer to it. And so it's been frustrating and working on sort of, sort of Maui time, Island time kind of thing. And it's been very challenging. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, it's probably a childbirth kind of thing. Like it's an absolute nightmare. And then I'm going to, after it's done, I'm going to totally forget about the nightmare and do it again. <laughs> but it, uh, I'm a little bit obsessed about getting it right. Just doing it better just because it's been so challenging to, 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 to do it um and i just uh, there, there's a really interesting uh situation in maui where they have these a bunch of the land ha- has this restriction where you're only allowed to build up to a thousand square feet so it's sort of made for us made for life edited and so i'm i'm trying to develop a really great thousand square foot um house uh that's really super green and and obviously has a, a functionality of many times its size um, and is really cost effective and could come in on schedule. Um, so probably, probably a bunch of prefab elements if possible. And so that's sort of part of what we're noodling on here. Uh, this, this one is sort of the first foray into there. And I think, yeah, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great house, but I am very, you can you really understand why there's this obsession with prefab. Um, because there is something, and that's the cool thing about tiny houses that they're, you know, it's, it's a replicable thing and, and you can see why, because it is an ab, it, it just like, if you really step back and look at the whole process of building a house and the, the, the buying and the permitting and the design and the construction, it's just, it's a nightmare and it's, the whole thing is crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just crazy. So you can really see the obsession with prefab. Like it just, it makes so much sense. And, you know, living through it, uh, you really get it. What, 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 is, what is it about prefab that makes it so much easier? Is it because you can build it inside and see what it looks like and then take it apart and just basically put it back together out on the land? Um, 
Yeah, that's part of it. I think a lot of it's just the replicability that you just, there are less decisions to make. Uh. And, you know, the permitting should be easier because you've, it's been done before. It's it's just make like bringing architecture closer to product. Um, and there's just the you know, replicability. It's just like, it's just crazy to do everything. Like, you know, everything is different every single time, oh, yeah. you know, different materials and, and different layout, like different, different, different. And, you know, that is just a recipe for inefficiency yeah. and for screw ups and for, you know, there's just, there's so many, so many variables. Yeah. So, you know, prefab is just sort of, I mean, it's wonderful because you can just really, really get into the nitty gritty and, and just make it perfect. And you, you know, do one and then, understand you know what worked and what and then make another you know version two and version three and version four but they're all you know somewhat in the same in the same vein and, and you're you're building something that just is getting smarter and smarter so so i'm obviously excited about that yeah yeah that's you kind of started to almost answer the question um how do you balance the desire for original functional funky spaces um, obviously, you're very well known for your original spaces. So, how do you balance that desire for original funky spaces, but at the same time, again, get that repeatability process? Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, you no, know, I think I I think that with change changing of materials and the, the, you don't have to have that many sort of options for to make a place fairly different. And I think. Um, I think if if we're more conscious about that, I think if we're more conscious, we can really understand that it doesn't. We don't need to, you know, it doesn't make that much difference. We don't need to have that much flexibility and changes. It doesn't actually matter that much. I mean, if you think about it in the product world, you know, there's there are definitely options for things, but often they're just it's a you know it's a few options, and you choose a color and you choose this, and yeah. and that will work for you. So. I don't know. I think um, I, I, the challenge is probably just selling the idea to people. And, and, and I think maybe if you value your time, then sort of understanding like on a prefab level, like, okay, well, I can do prefab. I can you know, make all these decisions in a rap, pretty rapid time frame, And then this thing's going to happen in a timely basis with on, on schedule, money, money wise, time wise, et cetera. Or I can go all custom and understanding that I'm going to be sucked into it. And it's going to be a year of my life devoted to this. Like what, what's that worth? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think sort of, sort of getting people to understand that and selling that idea is probably, uh, probably the challenge. I mean, I think once someone's done one, they get it. It is a lot of work. There's just decision fatigue. There's just a lot of stuff to figure out. And so it's, uh, it's a gift to be able to do a prefab, just to have someone who has really thought through things and, you know, has some tasteful options for you, but not, not too many. I mean, I think they, um, who is it that talks about, um, sort of decision paralysis, the, the paradox of choice. Analysis paralysis. Um, it's like, that is a very real thing. And it's, it's not, you know, it's very clear that, and people understand this in the marketing world, like you, you give people too many choices then they just they they freeze up and they they don't make any choices and so you know you, I think you want some choices but not too many like that's the real answer that that works for everyone the the 
person who is selling the product or the the building um, and the buyer. Like you, don't, you actually don't want that many choices. You want you know a few to make you feel like you're you have some will in the situation, but <laughs> but not too many that you just lose your mind. So it's funny that you're you're kind of looping around in this conversation back to the tiny house movement, and when you talk about the the key to selling this kind of space utilization and habitation it's like <clears throat> first of all not a lot of people have a fa- i don't think have a favorable view of prefab and then secondly it's it's becoming more and more apparent that not a lot of americans although there seems to be a growing number don't have a really favorable opinion of tiny houses <laughs> i mean yeah. so many people <laughs> yeah. in america hate these things <laughs> and so yeah. it's it's like it, it, do you find yourself given where you are in the development of your thing, do you find yourself kind of gleeful that there's a kind of a warming up to these two aspects of new living? I mean, yeah, listen, there in architecture, there are going to be haters. Like it's one of the most blinded areas of life period. You know, people are so, you know, they want, people in their neighborhood but they, they don't want them too poor but they <laughs> but they don't want them too rich because when your property taxes are going like people are like bigoted racist classist and, and it's just sort of hidden like it's so you know in architecture you know they're they're going to be haters of every of every kind it's just incredible um so i, I don't get too I, I don't get too worried about that I, I think you know the key thing is it's just like uh, you know things different strokes for different folks you know some okay. people are going to w- want to live in a 9,500 square foot home, you know, go to it. Like, great. If that works for you. Um, but I think, uh, not to pat myself on the back, but just to show the interest and the desire, you know, I think my Ted talk and that New York times op-ed, like they just yeah. show that there's, you know, we're not talking like sex <laughs> or cool <laughs> gadgets or we're talking like small living. I mean, you couldn't get much more boring on, on the, in the in the context of everything out there. You know what I mean? And, and yet, there's this incredible people are into it. Yeah. Like there's an interest. There's there's desire. And so, um, yeah, they'll, they're going to be haters. They're always going to be haters of, of anything, particularly when you're doing something different. But no, there are a ton of people that are totally into into this. And um, and I get it. I, you know, I I I've made some money. I sold a couple companies. I I can live in a big house. Um, but I, I'm not, and I love it. I think that's, I love it, that's an know? important point too, I think, because it's any house movement. A lot of the people that feel threatened, kind of like they're still chasing the dream and then they're starting to question their own lives. Yeah. But when you have people like yourself that are doing this or like Tony Shea, who's yeah. also had a very successful, ex- who lives in a tiny house or a trailer, probably in, in the park yep. that he's built down in Vegas. It's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be. Oh shit! You're just somebody that can't afford the big place. It's like you can afford to do pretty much anything you want, and you choose to live a lifestyle where it's a considered lifestyle of enjoying life and experiences, not about buying the the eleventh car or whatever bullshit other people kind yep. of place on. Yeah, I mean, I have a personal theory. I don't, I don't know if it's right, but I, I feel like one thing that's really ch- changed all, all the social media stuff. It, it's it used to be that it was a, like status. We were a lot more classist and a lot more sort of status oriented in terms. And you, you would show that through like the car that you drove, the yeah. big watch that you have on your hand, yeah. that, that, that sort of stuff. And I think what has changed is that there are, 
with the internet and with startups and you know tech you know there there are the the mark zuckerbergs with the the that you know wears a adidas flip-flops mm-hmm. kind of thing like there's mm-hmm. a all of a sudden there's like uh oh you can be really successful and, and sort of look different mm-hmm. different different than 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 most people and that that's sort of cool mm-hmm. and then in terms of social media you're sharing what, what what the way to sort of show off is to show off experience yeah. to show off uniqueness it's this you know this it, it's my you know great photography eye and this thing that i took a picture of or it's this really cool concert that i went to or this really cool party that i went to or the so it's sort of it's not showing off your car anymore and so i think you know it's moving it towards more the importance of of experience um, and so i yeah. think that's you know that, that, like that that's part of it yep. it's just like a, a diff it's a different it's a different world and we're all status unfortunately sadly um shows up in like every culture and and so i think we shouldn't we shouldn't be surprised but i think it's just it's it's changing a little bit it's more it's less about you know having this crazy expensive thing and it's more about this you know the experiences and so small living can enable sort of more experiences and so i think that's why it's headed that way nice well amen brother on that one and um thank you so much for for what you just said because it does tell so nicely with so many of the other comments that we get from the people on the show Mm -hmm. and so um thank you for being on the show today really appreciate you making time i know you're a busy man you've got a ton of things going on but uh, being Thanks. willing to come on and be on the show. Really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Sorry, I, um, I get fairly excited and I can talk a blue line. No, oh, this is um, awesome. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun to talk to. I really, I talk to you guys. I really, I really believe in this stuff and, you know, it's not for everyone, but I think it's for a lot of us. And, and I think that it can, uh, it's a, it's a simple move that makes sense on a financial level. It really makes sense on an environmental level, and I think that a, a smaller life is a happier life. And so, I encourage uh, everyone to to give it a shot. Nice, cool, nice. So there you have it, uh, Tiny House listeners. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Tiny House podcast. Um, we d- do we know who we're talking to next week? No, we don't. Okay, <laughs> you know it's funny, listeners. We had a we had a guest scheduled this this morning and we didn't none of us knew who it was and, and, and we she, didn't really have her schedule and she didn't show up fancy well, that and doing the show every two weeks a few shows has kind of it's kept the kind of kept, kept it interesting yeah it has kept it interesting at any rate thank you so much for listening in and tune in next week when we'll have yet another interesting guest we don't know who that is but it'll be exciting <laughs> i promise you and in the meantime have a good time namaste, namaste. see you on the flip side <laughs> bye bye oh, we're so sad <laughs> Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. Thank you.